privilege to come before you guys tonight and teach. I think we've been attending here uh, maybe a year and a half or something like that. And uh, it's a real privilege to become, uh, be able to come before you because um, this is probably the, the soundest teaching church I've ever been in. So thank you for the privilege of doing that. I am a little intimidated because we have language experts with us, and I'm not a language expert. I can look up the Greek and I can look up the Hebrew, but I can't speak it. And uh, so I have to count on other people uh, for doing that. But let's, before I get uh, any further ahead of myself, let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, that you give us an opportunity to learn from you, that your word is what it is. We can read it uh, and we can say different things about it, but ultimately, we pray that your Holy Spirit would give us the understanding that you want. I pray even tonight that uh, you'd enable me to say the things you want me to say and keep me from saying things I shouldn't say, Lord. I just want to be able to uh, edify my brothers and sisters with uh, what I see in the scriptures. And so we ask for all of that tonight in Christ's name. Amen. So you have a handout. And before I get into it, uh, let me just tell you a little bit about um, myself, my testimony. Uh, Two minutes. I'm 66 now, and when I was around 20 years old, someone warned me about um, I might be headed to hell if I didn't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And I was raised as a Christian I went to the type of church that has uh, First Communion, Confirmation, it has Confession, uh, it had nuns and priests and all that kind of stuff. And I went to catechism, whatever that is. I honestly can't tell you that I learned anything from any of that. And there I was around 18 or 19 years old. And my younger brother, David, um, he was raised the same way. And he didn't know Jesus Christ at all. But someone ventured to tell him about salvation. And my brother got saved. He went to an uh, evangelical free church. And he got saved. And he came to his older brother and said, Lou, you got a problem. And he warned me that if you don't get right with God, you're going to spend eternity in hell, in the lake of fire. And, you know, when you're 18, 19 years old, do you have your theology perfectly correct? (laughs) No, probably not. But I knew I wasn't saved, and uh, I knew I needed to get saved. And so uh, uh, around that time, I did uh, around 20 years old, so I've been saved around 46 years now, Say, dear Lord, uh, I know I'm a sinner. Uh, I know you died for my sins. I know I can't pay for them myself. Um, I accept that. Please forgive me. And, um, and that was it. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead for my sins. I am, my life was changed forever. But that was because someone warned me about 
the fact that I was headed to hell. Let me take this doggone lozenger out of my mouth because it's rolling around in there driving you crazy and me crazy. Okay, I'm going to set my timer here. See, I don't need to use that clock anymore because I got this nifty little thing called a countdown clock. (laughs) And this is a great thing for children and for people who are have learning disabilities like me, when there's no more red, I'm done. That's it. I don't even need to know what time it is. I just need to look over here. Yep, just about out of gas, like a, like a gas gauge here. <laughs> okay, so anyhow, the, uh, on your handout, you have this thing called the 11-foot-8 bridge. Why do I have that there? Uh, and what we want to look at tonight is this whole topic of heating the warnings in the Bible. So let me explain what the 11 foot 8 bridge is, and you'll find it kind of funny. You can Google this, and you can YouTube it. It's an interesting thing. So somewhere in Durham, North Carolina, there's a bridge that was designed in the 1920s, built in the 1940s uh, for traffic in the 1940s, and it was only 11 foot 8 inches tall. Uh, the standard height for bridges in the U.S. since 1973 is 14 feet. And initially, the 11-foot-8 bridge was just fine for these old clunkers that were going through there. But then trucks started getting taller and taller and taller. And uh, pretty soon, uh, trucks weren't able to go under there. They shouldn't go under there. Uh, but the problem was they were going under there. And they had signs, and if you drive it down the highway, uh, go down 395. You may not notice this because you're driving cars, you're not driving tractor trailers. You'll see signs next to each and every bridge, how tall it is. Um, and so there were signs on each side of the bridge. It says 11 foot 8. Now, this bridge was sort of at the end of a long runway where trucks could get up to speed of 40, 50 miles an hour. And this bridge became known as the Can Opener Bridge. (laughs) And if you go on YouTube, do not do it now, okay? I'm going to shut off the internet for you. There are hundreds of these videos of trucks barreling through and the tops ripping off. And this became a bigger and bigger problem. So the town put up bigger signs. And um, that didn't seem to do anything to warn these trucks. And oh, by the way, you might ask, well, why couldn't they just raise the bridge? Well, the 11 foot eight bridge, it's a bridge that has a train trestle going across the top, okay? So the trains don't wanna go like this. They wanna kinda go straight. So you really can't hump it up, right, to get the train over. And the road went under that train trestle and um, there was a complex set of pipes Uh, water lines for a major city, sewer lines and all. So they can't lower the road. They're kind of stuck with 11 foot 8. So they kept putting up more and more signs. And oh, by the way, on either side, right before you got to the bridge, you could turn to the left or turn to the right, uh, and you wouldn't hit the bridge. So, uh, you know, years go by, and right around 2008, a guy, uh, this is where the internet was really coming uh, you know, in, into its fore, especially YouTube. A guy set up a camera right on the corner there. He owned a bunch of property, set up a camera, and he monetized his YouTube channel. It's called the 11 foot 8 bridge. And he recorded hundreds and hundreds 
of crack-ups, right? And uh, he made a lot of money by, uh, by all of this. So what the town started to do was they started to put uh, neon lights, low bridge, you know, 11 foot eight, don't come. Trucks just would barrel right through, right? Then the town said, okay, here's what we got to do. Uh, we're going to put up uh, height sensors. So up, you know, up, somewhere up the road, there'd be these sensors. And if your truck was higher than it should be, you know, higher than 11 foot eight, it would send a signal down to uh, big flashing lights at the bridge. Stop, your truck is too high. And that did not work. <laughs> Nothing has ever really worked. Uh, and people continue to barrel through, even though they're warned repeatedly, you're going to rip the top of your truck off. Now, this is a little side note here. Up the road from where all this happens and where most of the trucks who end up having this happen is a, like an enterprise rental yard that rents these trucks, okay? <laughs> and they warn them. You can sign this uh, insurance thing, you know? And they say, listen, there's a low bridge down at the other end here. That insurance thing's not going to cover that if you, if you hit that bridge. And they, they still hit it. Uh, and another little factoid is on the other side of the bridge <laughs> is a truck repair shop that specializes <laughs> in fixing the wrecked trucks. So what is the point of this comical story? The point of the comical story is there are all types of warnings uh, in life. And even ones that are so black and white, your truck is 12 foot high, this bridge is 11 foot eight, your truck will not fit under there. And yet people continue to do that. In fact, there are some of the YouTube videos where a truck will come right up to the bridge, he hits the bottom of the bridge with his truck, he backs up, and guns it and tries to get under the bridge, not believing what his eyes are seeing. So how does that affect anything we're talking about tonight? It is the same with salvation. Uh, there are warnings every place, and there was a warning for me. Thank God, thank Lord, that uh, I heeded the warning. And you know, I don't know each one of you, Maybe some of you have been sitting here for some time now and you haven't heeded the warning. I don't know. Maybe you're older, maybe you I have no idea. There's not like a bubble atop of your head that says, oh, this person's saved and this person's not saved. So there are warnings all over the place, my friends, that there's a heaven and there's a hell and there's only one way and that is through faith in what happened on the cross. That is the only way to be saved. That Christ died for your sins and was risen from the dead. And if, if, if tonight that truth is gripping you, I would recommend do not wait till tomorrow. There may not be a tomorrow. I don't mean to scare you. There was a 158-car pileup, I think in Louisiana, just a couple days ago. A fog set in. Half a dozen people never came home. Did they expect not to come home? Where they say, you know, I'll just put off that salvation thing until 
maybe tomorrow, maybe when I get older, get out of high school or whatever it is. Don't put that off. Uh, the second thing is, for all of us who are trying to witness to people, and you're saying to yourself, I'm telling them, uh, and they won't listen. Why won't they listen? Why won't they come to Christ? Look at the 11 foot eight bridge. This is a clear example. It's right in front of their nose. Something so simple as your truck is too high and the bridge is too low, and yet people refused to believe even that. Even a person who taps the top of his truck on the bridge and says, maybe if I get a running start, I can get under it. And he just ends up ripping the top of his truck off. So enough of that. All right. So uh, now that we talked about that type of a warning, and hopefully, you know, the reason I give you these examples, let me just back up a second. Uh, why, is, why do I do this? Throughout um, my, my entire life, I've had learning disabilities. I learn differently than everyone else. And so I need these visual things. Uh, some people, my wife's very analytical. She can read, hey, you know, the bridge is too low and your truck's too high, got it, okay? Me, I'm probably like the guy who has to touch the bridge and say, yeah, guess what, my, my truck is too high. So I need these, you know, kind of visual examples. That's just me and it might just be you too. So what I wanted to do is now you've got that visual in your mind, heeding warnings, there are all kinds of warnings. What I wanted to do is look at a bunch of warnings that are in the scripture. And our first one is found in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to tell you, one of the things I hope happens in heaven is that my eyesight gets fixed and I don't need to wear reading glasses because it is so irritating, right? Uh, any of you who know this, it is very irritating. All right, so the first warning is what I'm going to call, uh, you're never going to completely fit in with the world. And how do I get that? <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, I'm going to look at the first two verses here, Romans uh, 12, 1 and 2. It says, therefore, I urge you, and I'm reading out of the uh, New American Standard, by the way. Therefore, I urge you, uh, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And we'll focus in on verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove uh, what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. And a lot of times people want to look at this last half of verse 2 about being renewed. And we can talk about that, but what I want to talk about is that it's telling us, and by the way, uh, these Mike, I did look these up. Aileen said, you better look them up because Mike's going to want to know about this. These are imperatives as far as I can see, okay? And I barely know what an imperative is, but it, what it basically means is you better do it. It's like a command, you know, clean your room. That is not a suggestion, okay? That is an imperative. I hope it's an imperative. Uh, if it's a suggestion, then kids may never clean their room, okay? So it's saying, don't be conformed to this, uh, uh, this world. And I think there is a tendency when you get saved uh, to want to not be not conformed to the world. We want to fit in. Especially if you're young, you want to fit in. Maybe if you're old, you want to fit in too, 
right? And what it's saying here is don't be conformed to this world. Let's look at, uh, I've got a note here, 2 Corinthians 5.17. I'll look at that for a second. 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're going to look at a lot of verses here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Oh, yeah, this is a, this is a um, very familiar verse. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, new things have come. So the Bible tells us that we're new creatures when we come to Christ. It also tells us that we shouldn't be conformed to this world. That's the old man. That's the old uh, way. And so it's tempting to try to fit in. And the Bible is warning us, don't try it. It, it won't work. And <laughs> because you're not the old person, you're the new person in Christ. And let me give you another little example of this about how you, as a Christian, are no longer the old person. You're that new person in Christ. And it's tempting to still follow the old ways. So there was this famous psychological experiment done with ducklings, and it's called the imprint experiment. Maybe some of you have heard about the imprint experiment. If you haven't, here's how it goes. Uh, Why do ducks follow their mothers? Would they follow anything else? And the answer is yes, they'll follow almost anything. And here's how they figured this out. They took baby ducklings that were uh, no, longer, no older than 10 hours old. They uh, hatched them in isolation and they put them in a big box uh, with nothing. And the duck, little duckling started squawking, making a um, distress call. Where's mommy? Where's mommy? And so they put in a a wind-up mechanical dog that kind of moved around. And at first, the duckling still made the distress calls. And then within just a few minutes, the duckling stopped that and started following the mechanical dog all over the place like it was its mother. Okay? So listen, that's good. Mechanical dog, fine. They put uh, a little collar, a little uh, color-coded collar on the duckling. And it's okay, this duck follows the the dog. And they tried that with other things, too. They put, um, actually, a a wind-up Daffy Duck in there. And he moved all over the place. And the same thing happened with the ducklings. After a few minutes, that duckling started following the little wind-up Daffy Duck. Uh, And then they put in... They thought, well, maybe if they just put in like a totally inanimate object, the duckling wouldn't do anything. So they just put in a balloon. And the balloon was on a little tether. And they just kind of moved the balloon around in the box. Pretty soon, the duck started following the balloon. Uh, So they put a little color-coded collar on that little duckling. And they said, okay, well, maybe the ducks will forget who their mother is. And we'll keep them away from the balloon, you know, Daffy Duck or Donald Duck, whatever it was, and the, the, the mechanical dog for a few days, and we'll put them back in the pen and see what happens. So uh, they put the ducks back in the pen with their corresponding toy, and they glom right onto it like it's, like it's their mother. They're following that around, okay? I said, well, maybe if we mix up all the ducks with all their toys and put Ducks who have never seen any toys all together will put ducks who have never seen any toys, ducklings, 
And these ducks who have seen toys, we've marked them, uh, and uh, we'll put them all together in, in a little uh, pen for a few days and normalize. And then we'll put them in the big pen with all the different toys and see what happens. Sure enough, all the ducks uh, that had already been imprinted with those other, um, what they would call mothers, they went to their mother. And the ducklings who've never seen any of those things, they just stayed together. They didn't go to the other places. And so what they concluded was that, you know, you can get attached to your environment. You can get attached to your initial surroundings. And before we come to Christ, we're attached to this world, right? This is what we know. And when we get saved, we're born again. And you have to kind of think about that like you are a new duckling who's never seen any of this other nonsense before and you have someone new to cling to and that is Jesus Christ. That's, that's the whole point of the duckling thing. And don't try to uh, fit in with the world because you're not part of the world. You're part of, you're, you're Christ's, you're, you're his daughter, you're his son. And the last... Um, the last example I will give you with that to try, if that isn't enough, to try to get you to understand how different you are as a Christian, let me give you this example. And these are real life examples. Uh, years ago, when I first got saved, I was going to a little local church in Danielson. And Danielson had uh, what was called the Springtime Festival. And it was like a parade that would go down Main Street of Danielson. And uh, our church had a float in that parade. And uh, if that ever happens in Preston, you should think about doing it. And here's why. Because you line up somewhere off the... If, I don't know if any of you have ever marched in a parade, but let's say you, if you haven't, there's some side street you all line up in. You get the fire trucks and your policemen, and you got your Boy Scouts, your Girl Scouts, your 4-H people. You got the baton twirlers and the football players and every other cat and dog you can name. Uh, and there was us at the very end. We were the Christians. And uh, when you march down that street and the only thing that identifies you is that float, that will be etched in your mind that you are a Christian. And you should never forget that. All right, sorry, I... <clears throat> I have a habit of doing that, and I don't like it. Okay. Remember, brothers and sisters, you are a Christian. And it was interesting. When we uh, would go along with the float, we had tracks that we would pass out. And you want to see the face of rejection? Try to pass a track out. They don't want it. They didn't want it 45 years ago when I was passing it out. Try marching down Preston or whatever town you want to mat march out, uh, march down and hand out a track. You'll see the face of rejection. Christians are not welcome. You, you better get used to it if you haven't already uh, figured that out. And so don't try to fit in with the world because you're not part of the world. You're never going to fit in. You are a Christian. You are different. And don't forget that. Okay, uh, the next one. Exercise caution uh, as you live. Um, Ephesians chapter 5, and we'll also look at Colossians uh, chapter 4. So Ephesians 5. 
and uh, apologize for getting choked up. I, this, is a, if, <laughs> this is a weakness of mine, and I hate it. But uh, if you see me doing it, just pray, dear Lord, stop Lou from blubbering. It's not necessary, and it's just distracting. Okay. Okay, Ephesians 5, where are we? Ah, 5.15. What do we have here? Oh, yeah. Hmm. It says, therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Okay. And I actually, I actually thought we should read the whole, that whole section to, for the context there. And yes, it's long, but that's the word of God, and it's better to listen to that than listen to me. So we'll start at verse 1. It says, therefore... Be imitators of God as beloved children. And you know, Mike has taken us through Ephesians, and he's pointed out these words, walk, and they're important. And verse 2, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. But immorality or any impurity or any greed must not even be named among you, as is proper among the saints." And there must be no filthiness, silly talk, coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather a giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty, that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon you the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers with them. For you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And that sort of goes back to my first point. Don't try to, you don't need to be the former. Okay, even here he's saying, you were formerly darkness, but now you are the light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. And that's what I'm telling myself. And by the way, I'm not telling you to live a life that I'm not telling myself to live. Okay. I'm telling myself to live this life. Louis, live a life that's worthy of Christ. For the fruit of the light consists of all goodness and righteousness and truth, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. And this is a good question for all of us. Are we asking God, Lord, what is pleasing to you? Am I asking him each and every day? Don't participate in unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead, even expose them. I mean, think of, let these words sink in and ask yourself, am I doing what it's saying, or maybe I better start doing what it's saying, okay? For it's disgraceful even to speak of these things which are done by them in secret. But all things become visible when they're exposed to the light, for everything that becomes visible is light. For this reason, it says, awake, sleeper, arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Therefore, be careful how you walk, not as unwise men, but as wise men, making the most of your time, for the days are evil. And then we'll just look at um, Colossians chapter 4. Always remember this, EPC. That's how I remember this, EPC. Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. So, EPC. Colossians 4, verses 5 and 6. It's a similar verse. Okay. Conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. 
And uh, let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, so you'll know how to respond to each person. And let me just say a couple things here about making the most of uh, every opportunity. Uh, When I find myself in these situations, uh, what I do, I can spot it, and you guys probably can. When you find yourself in a situation, and it's like, wow, I'm in that situation where I could witness for Christ or I can dishonor him, or I can say something really stupid, I immediately get quiet because I got a big mouth, and I start praying, dear Lord, help me say the right thing and not say the wrong thing. And if I'm just making that as a suggestion, you might want to try it. If you aren't doing it and you say, gee, I keep flubbing things up, I find myself right away when I get close to that, in that zone, dear Lord, Dear Lord, help me say the right thing. Don't let me say the wrong thing and make a big mess of this, okay? And then the other thing I would say about living as wise uh, people for the days are evil. I I visited my daughter uh, in North Carolina. uh, She lives in Asheville, very mountainous area. The the, uh, Blue Ridge Mountains are up there. And believe it or not, we went for a, a hike up top of the mountain. It was a small mountain, but we went to the top of it. Even I could do that. And, uh, but when I was younger, I could just scramble over all those rocks. Well, guess what? I can't do that anymore. And what I have to do is walk like an old man. And so there's rocks, and there's like the trail, and I had to kind of pick my way through all the rocks, watching where my feet were going so I didn't fall flat on my face right, and hurt myself. And uh, life can be like that. Watch where your feet are going, right? You're going to have to pick, uh, pick and choose. In fact, this is another little, uh, and I promise I will not get emotional on this one. Uh, this uh, one little tidbit on this one here. <clears throat> There's a song called, uh, Be Careful Little Eyes What You See. Are you familiar with this? This is a tough one to read. Don't let me start blubbering. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. There's a father above, uh, a father up above looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little tongue, what you say. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. And then the the fifth stanza, I guess, I'm not a musician. Uh, Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little feet, where you go. God is telling us, live carefully. It's a warning because you can mess yourself up before you know it. And you know, uh, it's hard to get a reputation. It's really easy to lose it. It only takes like one screw up. And I've often said all of us are like 30 seconds away from doing something really dumb in our life that can have 
you know, lifelong implications. Like, what did I do that for? What was I thinking, right? So be careful. Uh, and the Bible warns us, exercise caution. It's an imperative on how you live. Number three, beware of relying on your own wisdom and earthly common sense. And so we'll look at Proverbs. This is a familiar verse, but it's, it's fun to look at because it's instructive. Proverbs chapter three. I got the sniffles. We all seem to have the sniffles. I apologize for that. We're all suffering with this together. Okay. Okay. Proverbs three, verses five and six. And then we're going to also look at uh, Proverbs 16. But Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. uh, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him. And he'll make your paths straight. Uh, The one thing I would say, looking up some of these words here, that word lean, I guess, is used in a way that says, like you're, you're leaning on a crutch or leaning on a a cane or something that's going to support your whole weight, okay? So I think what the author is, is saying is that, uh, yeah, you better put all your weight uh, on what God is saying and don't put it on what your own flawed human understanding is. Don't, don't lean on that. That will mislead you. This whole thing about just follow your heart. Oh my gosh, <laughs> you follow your heart. You can get yourself so messed up in a heart, literally in a heartbeat, right? No, don't follow your heart and don't follow your feelings. Follow the word of God. That's, that's the way out. That's the way to pick your way through that rocky path. And then uh, Proverbs uh, 16, verses 25. Ah, uh, as there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it is the way of death. Oh, yeah. Uh, unbelievers all seem to have great ways to live their lives until they blow up on them, right? It seemed perfectly fine. And then there's, of course, in Judges, there's that verse. Uh, in those days, there was no king. Judges 17. Uh, in those days, there was no king in Israel. And everyone did what was right in their own eyes, Right? This whole idea of, it seems okay to me. Yeah, that's how all kinds of problems have happened. No, where you want to go, where your eyes want to go, where your brain needs to go is in the Word of God. That's the thing. And don't lean uh, on your own understanding. And oh, by the way, yeah, I want to just, okay, yeah, there's another point I wanted to make. Oh, yeah. That word acknowledge in verse 6. So back to Proverbs 3. Sorry for jumping around. Proverbs 3. Verse 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him, and he'll make your path straight. So, uh, Mike, it's the Hebrew word yada. That's what it says in my dictionary. The Hebrew word yada, it's used 947 times. And uh, basically it means to know. Uh, Adam and Eve, uh, if they ate from the tree, they would know good and evil. So it means to know. And so when I look at this, I said, in all your ways you can say acknowledge him, it's used that way sometimes, but know him. Well, how do we get to know him? We get to know God by his word, by reading his word, by spending time in his word. Uh, one question is how much time are you spending in God's word? I hate these glasses because I can only see seven inches in front of me. How much time are you spending in God's word each day? Do you have 
because we're creatures of habit. Like I get up in the morning, and one of the first things I want to do is have a cup of coffee. That's my habit. Don't take that away from me. And, and I have to drink decaf now, which really is a pain. But I still have to have that brown water. It just doesn't feel right if I don't have it. So maybe you have some little habit, but do you have a habit of reading the Word of God every day? That's the question. Or could you leave your Bible at this church? I should be careful because <laughs> Linda leaves her Bible at the church, but she has other Bibles. I know she has other Bibles. Okay, she's got 15 Bibles. So I'm like, yeah, great. I make fun of the pastor's wife. There I go. You're never in this pulpit again. Oh, my, my, my pa- pastor's mother. Oh, gosh. Oh, gosh. Kick, kick me out now. Okay. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, that was a real screw up. Okay, yeah, I know. Okay, you look so young. Okay, so, oh boy, how am I going to get out of this? Okay, so she leaves her Bible here, but she has other ones she could read. The pastor's mother. I got that straight. But what about you? If you left your Bible here, let's say you only have one Bible and you left it here, would that be okay with you? No, no. We got to read it every day. Just like having a cup of coffee every day. Got to do it, got to do it, got to do it. So get that word of God in you so that in all your ways, acknowledge him in all your ways, get to know him, okay? And he'll make your path straight and he'll last comment on that. One of the things I think I learned in geometry is what is the shortest distance between two points? A straight line, right? And the word of God can keep us going in a straight line. How many people have done all these kind of zigzaggy things in their life. Didn't the Israelites do that too? Wasn't that supposed to be like a short trip? Yeah, 40 years they were out there, right? Yeah, it should be like a two-week trip, right? Yeah, yep. I don't know what they did, I don't know what they did for all that time, but they, they went around in circles. They went around in a lot of circles. Okay. <laughs> a lot of them did die, right, because they were grumblers. All right. Now, number four. Watch uh, who you hang out with. All right, Proverbs chapter 1. This is an interesting one. I'm going to do Proverbs 1, verses 10 through 19. Uh, I mean, I love Proverbs. You know, if you're not sure, you all know, maybe you all know, maybe you don't know. What should I read? Well, one thing you can do, isn't this a coincidence, of like 31 Proverbs and typically about 31 days in a month, even if you don't do anything else. Let's see, what is today? The 25th. I'll just go, I'll read Proverbs 25. I'll do something, right, to get myself organized. I mean, at a minimum, you can at least do that. So it says, my son, if sinners entice you, uh, do not consent. And that's exactly what it means. I did look up the word, consent, all right? Uh, don't go along with them. Don't say yes. Don't say I do. You know, like consent. Do you, do you consent to marry this person? Don't say I do. If they say, come with us, let us lie and wait for blood. Let us ambush the innocent without a cause. Let us swallow them alive like Sheol, even whole as those who go down to the pit. We'll find all kinds of precious wealth. We will fill our houses with spoil. Throw your lot in with us. And this is a good one. We shall all have one purse. Do you believe that for a moment? No, 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 no. No, 
You're not going to have one purse. That's like having a tip jar that everyone's just going to split. No, that's not going to happen, okay, if you're dumb enough to believe that. My son, do not walk in the way with them. Keep your feet from their path, for their feet run to evil, and they hasten to shed blood. Indeed, it is useless to spread the baited net in the sight of any bird. And the, the commentaries say that no bird is stupid enough to get caught in a net like that, okay? But they lie in wait for their own blood, and they ambush their own lives. Isn't that interesting? It's, they do themselves in, right, by their own stupidity. I mean, you must have heard of, uh, be careful how I say this, Sometimes criminals can be geniuses. Other times, maybe they're not the brightest bulb in the box because there have been people who've robbed banks and handed them a note. Give me all your money. Give me all your money. It's on an envelope with their return address on it. Give me all your money. Guess how that worked out? Not very good, right? So some uh, are not too smart, right? They, they, uh, they step on the proverbial rake and hit themselves uh, in the face. And let's see, did we get far enough? Oh, verse 19. So are the ways of everyone who gains by violence. It will take away the life of its possessor. So watch out who you hang around with. There's a couple other verses I want to look at. Uh, Proverbs uh, 12. These are all warnings, right? It's like that flashing light in uh, the 11 foot 8 bridge. It's telling you, don't go here. You're, you're going to rip the top of your truck off. You're going to rip the top of your life off. Proverbs 12, verses 16. Mm. Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's actually 15 and 16. Proverbs 12, verses 15 and 16. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes. Isn't that true? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. A fool's anger is known at once, but a prudent man conceals dishonor. But the, the point is, is that the fool always thinks he's right until he realizes he's wrong or she's wrong. And they screw their lives up. And then, um, let's see, what's 1320? Oh, 1320. Yeah, Proverbs 1320. Oh, yeah, this is a good one here. They're all good. Proverbs 1320. He who walks with the wise men, with wise men, will be wise. But the companion of fools will suffer harm. Okay, here's what I think about this one here. And I know we're not big fans of Disney. But Disney did make a movie called Pinocchio. And in Pinocchio, there is a little section where Pinocchio starts palling around with people who want to have a lot of fun. And they're going to go to, I don't know, some island or something like that. And they're going to whoop it up, right? They're not going to live the right life. And what happens to them? They become donkeys, right? Become donkeys. So what is the, 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 the moral here? If you hang around donkeys, you're going to become a donkey, right? Now, and we're, we're, we're using uh, uh, nice words about donkeys, okay? <laughs> <laughs> right? They're donkeys, and they're different kinds of animals with four legs and ears, right? These are, we're just going to call them donkeys. I think, I think Pinocchio, they were donkeys. But, okay, now, uh, I do want to say one thing about 
hanging around. There's, well, there's a verse in Corinthians. It's a, it's a verse from a poem, and it says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. It's a verse from a poem, and some Greek poem or something like that. This is an interesting uh, thing I found out when I was researching this. Gangs. I was trying to figure out about gangs. What about gangs? You know, a lot of, like I said, we're, you're, all of us are like one inch away from doing something stupid. Well, gangs are a big deal. And in a gang, there's like one leader. And then there's a couple guys, kind of like second in command. And then there's some followers and some clinger honors and some wannabes and all that other stuff, right? Guess what? If you look at the statistics for incarceration for juveniles, 50% of all juveniles are from a gang. 50%. The other 50%, that's a little hard to follow this logic, are from the general population, which is just 2%. So the general population in America, I think we incarcerate like 2%, about 2% of our people. If we have 300 million people, 2% of that is like 6 million people. Something like that are incarcerated. Quite a, quite a few, 1% to 2%. At least in the juvenile world, uh, half of those kids who were incarcerated were in a gang. It's 50 times higher than the general population. So doesn't that tell you something about hanging around the wrong people? And, you know, I got young people in here that say, oh, Lou is just talking to me, just talking to me. Listen, old people, old people can do stupid things. We see it in the news all the time, right? We see senators, Menendez in New Jersey, all kinds of gold bars in his underwear drawer from Egypt, who he's, you know, doing uh, favors for, and he doesn't think he's going to get caught. He's got a half a million dollars worth of gold bars in his underwear drawer, right? And he curried favors for Egypt because they were given, and guess what? He took gold bars from them with the words from Egypt or Egypt on them. I mean, couldn't he have gotten Swiss gold bars or something like that? How stupid can you be, right? Just, this is just dumb. So old people can do really stupid things too, okay? He's going go to probably going to go to jail. All right. That's all about that one. All right. So uh, number five, this one here I have a problem with. Oh, my wife tells me all the time. Proverbs, this is, remember, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Mm. Proverbs uh, 20, verse 22. Mm. Yeah. Proverbs 20, verse 22. Uh, Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will save you. You know, this is, everyone has like a weakness, maybe multiple weaknesses. When people torque me off, I just want to get back at them. I know I'm the only person in the room who ever feels this way, right? I want to do something. Like Aileen, we, uh, we, 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 we buy stuff at auction and we try to sell stuff at auction. We buy more stuff than we sell, but we do try to sell stuff at auction. And we sold some stuff at an auction and we hadn't gotten paid for quite some time, which actually turned out not to be true. But uh, I, I told Aileen, Give me that. I'll take care of it. I'll ruin their lives. I'll do this. I'll do that. And uh, turned out, thank God I didn't do it because they had actually paid us. We didn't realize it. We made a fool out of ourselves. But the whole idea is, uh, remember, uh, 
what did I say here? Uh, remember, vengeance is mine, says the Lord. It's easy to take things into your... When, have you, maybe I'm the only person who's ever had something done wrong to them who wants to get back at them, right? Someone really messed me over on a job, you know, or did this or did that. I, 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 I want to do all this stuff. No. Put it in God's hand. Because what, what my wife says, which is true, God does a better job than you're ever going to do it. Walking them on the head, right? Okay, guess what? We got just enough time. Now look at this little guy here. Look at this. Look at this, huh? You're almost done with me, okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> I love you, brother. I love you. It's like, I'm just going to go home and cry. And I'm going to call down curses on Mike. Flatten all his tires, okay? No, just kidding. Just kidding. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. No, seriously. Uh, okay. Uh, mm, oh, jeepers. Uh, we, we finish one. We'll just finish this last one. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let's do number six. Uh, look out for your younger brother so not to cause him to stumble. And this is a classic one in Romans uh, chapter 14. We'll just take a, t- we'll take a peek here. Okay. These are warnings. These are, remember, all of these are, are warnings. And these warnings, by the way, aren't suggestions. They're imperatives, okay? They're, they're not suggestions. The Ten Commandments aren't ten suggestions. They're ten commandments, and these things are imperatives. Do these things, okay? So uh, I guess we're looking at verses 13. Uh, I, I actually want to look at verse 10. This is actually better to look, start at verse 10. But, but you, why do you judge your brother? Or again... Why do you regard your brother with contempt? Mm. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it's written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another anymore, but rather determine this, not to put any obstacle or stumbling block in a brother's way. Okay, and then it, it goes on and on about, there's like three areas in all of, uh, to summarize this, there's essentially three areas in Romans 14. They're all called disputable matters. And the first one is food, right? Food. The second one is holidays, because Romans is written to a mixed audience. There are Jews in it, and there are also Gentiles. There's a little bit of both, okay? <laughs> Actually, but there's a third one, which I never saw. Verse 21. Uh, (laughs) It is good not to eat meat or to drink wine or do anything by which your brother stumbles. So it also has to do with wine, okay? (laughs) It's uh, meat, holidays, and wine. I don't, but it says, you know, don't make a big deal out of that stuff, okay? These are disputable matters. And... You could do that and make your brother stumble. Now, what's a modern day, although these could be modern day equivalents, but a couple modern day equivalents would be, and we, we, we talked about this actually in the prayer meeting, tattoos. I can't come here. I have tattoos. People are going to say bad things about me. You'll never, they'll never accept me, right? That's that kind of judgment that I think Romans 14 is talking about, looking down with contempt. He's got some tattoos. He's got, he's got sleeves. You know, and you know what? You guys know what sleeves are, right? Tattoos up and down. I wanted to see if I could get those, like those, those temporary ones, and put them on. 
and go see my mother one day. <laughs> I know, I'm bad, I ought to be spanked, okay? <laughs> but just the same, there's tattoos. Here's a couple other ones uh, that we don't, uh, and I've seen in, in, um, uh, happen in other churches. Uh, there's a section in Corinthians that talks about head coverings, people wearing head coverings. We don't do that here, but I've been in churches where all of a sudden, oh, she's got a head covering on. Oh, well, next week, she's got one. This one's got one on, too. And then, well, it's like popping up like dandelions. Here, here, here. And then there's the condescension. She doesn't wear a head covering. What's that? Yeah, right, yeah. And so this is a real thing. And I'm not, I am not making fun of a person who wants to wear a head covering. I have friends who did it. But they never look down with contempt on their brother or sister. I think that's the point. Don't have contempt for them. And just a, when I came here, I was not, and I'm going to finish up with this, I was not very well acquainted with dispensational theology. Um, I am more acquainted now, and I like it. But having said that, so I talked to a couple people, and the first theologian I ever read, the first systematic theology I ever read was when I was a young whippersnapper. It was by Charles Hodge. Well, he's, a, he's absolutely a dyed-in-a-wool Calvinist covenant the, theologian. I didn't know that. And now as I'm reading other books, he appears to be not a friend of the dispensationalists. And... Uh, so when I first met like John Miles, uh, we talked and I said, you know, I've, I've kind of you know, used uh, Hodge as a, as a reference for, you know, systematic theology. You know, he's very gracious. He said, oh, yeah, I probably wouldn't do that, but that's okay. But, you know, he did not say, what the heck? You're reading Hodge? What are you doing that for? Okay, he's, we don't like him. He's the boogeyman. We don't, you know. And he could have he put me down pretty good because John Miles is like 10 times smarter than me, right? He could have really slammed me, but he didn't. And it just allowed me to discover for myself that, yeah, the guy said some good things, but he probably said some things that aren't so uh, biblically true as well. All right, so that's all we got for tonight. Uh, thank you for your time. We, I will see you, I've been told, Sunday morning, uh, and we're going to get into our four-part Honey in the Bible series. And no, I'm not going to bring samples of honey. No. I'm not going to, I'm not, well, I could, but I'm not going to do it here. You see, for me to learn, if, if, if I was in Louis land, I would have a beehive here with bees buzzing around. That's how I learn. But the rest of you guys would freak out. But I do have, heads up, a model honeybee I'm going to bring. And we'll talk about that. Okay, thank you so much for your time. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this time. And Heavenly Father, thank you that you allowed me to uh, share from your word. It's a privilege. Thank you for these wonderful people who listen so politely. More than that, Lord, I pray that we would have all learned something from this today, tonight. Make us better Christians, Lord. We have a lot of work to do. Thank you so much for our salvation in Christ's name. Amen. Okay. Okay.